Grace and peace this morning, brothers and sisters. Great to see each and every one this morning as we worship our God. Tim, our brother and sister, our brother in Christ, and Kenya also send their greetings to us this morning, saying they're fine. And wanted to send a hello to each and every one of you here this morning. That God bless you here this morning in our time of worship together. Also had the opportunity to see Sue Sloan. As we said, she's going to start her radiation treatments this week. And she said yesterday, Mark, I'm fired up, ready to get through this and get get started with this. And she said, I thank the church for the prayers and I can feel their prayers around me right time. So continue praying for Sue as she gets ready this week and that she may continue to recuperate from what she's going through at this time. You know, we just sang the song, we will glorify the King of Kings. May we glorify the King of Kings, even in the hard times and the times that we suffer. I know in James chapter one. We're studying about considering pure joys when you pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. When we face those trials, we will glorify the King of Kings. When those trials come in our lives, Lord Jehovah, He reigns in majesty. And He is Lord of heaven and He is Lord of earth. Hallelujah to the King of Kings. Whenever is going on in our lives, don't forget that God is in control and God is God. This morning, as we think about who God is and thinking about who He is, I want us to reflect on our own selves. And you know why sometimes In our lives, not everything's going perfectly as we would like, right? Things happen. Sometimes we get a phone call from someone or something happens to us and it makes our world crumble. And things all around us go down and we're going like, what am I going to do now? How am I supposed to get through this? Or maybe you hear about someone and you you feel for them and you take on that burden that they're carrying, carrying our burdens, as it says in Galatians, that we carry each other's burdens. And you know, we carry those great things when it's joy, we're joyful for one another. But when we're sadness, we grieve for one another also. And sometimes that takes a toll on us. So what can we do when we hear news or when things happen in our lives that we don't understand why? And Lord God, why are they going on? What can we do, Lord, as a church family to continue strong as your church when things happen in this world? You know, when Jesus said in in Apocalypse and Revelation, when he's walking through the churches, each and every one of them, he sees us. He knows every good thing that we're doing. And he also knows every area that we need to grow in as well, right? Each and every one of those areas. But you know one of the things that Jesus is so great when he's writing, the, when he talks, talks to John in the book of Revelation. He'll say, this is what's going on. This is where you, the sin is and this is where you need to grow. But he says in the end of each one of them, there is in store a victor's crown for those who persevere. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this morning, may we continue to persevere each and every day of our lives. I love it in James, as we've been studying, it says also that when he has stood the test, that means that God has given us the promise that we are going to make it through it. Whatever test that we're going through, as long as we continue to persevere in the Lord. But this morning, I want us to turn to Nehemiah chapter 1. And I want us to see a man, a servant of God who loved God with all of his heart, soul, mind, and strength was concerned for the brothers and sisters in Christ. And his brother comes from Jerusalem and he asks his brother, how are things going? And his brother tells him, well, you know what? Things aren't so well. The walls are down, the the doors have been burned, and everything is in ashes. And he said, well, how about the remnant there? And everybody's looking at him, making fun of him. So what was the very first reaction that Nehemiah had when he heard all of these things? The very first thing it says here in chapter 1, verse 3, when they arrived and they heard, heard all these things in verse 4. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. 
when we think and we hear news that drives us to sadness, that drives us to a part that we say, how are we going to make it through this? The first thing that Nehemiah does is he says, he wept. And you know what? It's okay to cry. It's okay to let it out to God. Let him know your emotions. Let him know what you're going through. He doesn't want you to hide. He wants you to know He wants to know everything about you. And I talked about this morning class just a little bit, but when you read Psalms and you see those Psalms that David had written and others had written also, they always start out by praising God. But then he starts talking about some hard subjects. Lord God, why are you people going struggling? Lord God, why is this happening to me? What did I do? All of these kinds of different things are going on. But he decided to write them in Psalms. And Psalms were lifted up to the Father. He had time to meditate, to think about the things that he was writing. Lord God, when we go through hard times and we hear something, Lord, that rocks our world, may we be able to weep. And may we be able in that time of weeping, get down on our knees and pray for us and for those who are going through hard times, those who are going through sinful times, that they may also come back to the Lord and look at him. But look at here in these verses, it says he sat down and wept. And the very first thing, as we already said, just as the psalmist said, the very first thing that we need to do after seating and weeping, acknowledging God, God is God. God is not going to tempt us. He says that in James. He's not going to tempt us. Nor can evil tempt him. God is God. And everything that we do is to bring glory to him from beginning to end. Look what he says here in verse 5. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your prayers open to the ear that your prayer, your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. What does he say? The great and awesome God. Now I want you to imagine what's happening. What's going on? The walls are down. The doors are burning. Everything's going in a way you would see, well, where's God in that? Where's God in this moment? Why is God not here? And he says, no, you are a great and awesome God. Lord God, when the hard times come in my life, when I'm suffering, or a brother and sister in Christ is suffering, or we are as a church is suffering, Lord God, may we get down on our knees and remember that you are an awesome God. That we receive all glory, all honor at all times. Nehemiah recognized this for some days, I'm sure during his prayer time, during his fasting time, over and over again, perhaps saying, Lord, why'd you let this happen? Let this happen. And in the end said, no, stop it. Stop trying to make excuses. God, you are God and you are an awesome God and you keep your covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Lord God, I want to remember that you are this God. And that you are this God who keeps his covenant of love each and every moment. And so we see in this moment when the walls are down, when things are hard, when things that we have going on in our lives that we don't understand in our lives or in the lives of people that we love. Lord God, you still are an awesome God. And you still keep your covenant of love above all, Lord. Lord God, help me to rely on that, to remember and know that who you are. Here, Lord God, Lord God of Israel, you are one God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not only in the good times, but even in the hard times.
God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. Look what he says also. In this moment here, in the things that he's going through, and he sees this going on, he recognizes himself as a servant of Israel. As he says here, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. All of us, all of us in Christ are wanting to serve our Lord and God and Savior with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as we look at each other, may we look at each other as servants. That we have the Lord God, how can I help my brother? How can I help my sister that's going through a hard time? That's suffering at this time. Lord God, may I allow my brother and sister to help me when I'm going through a hard time. Or when I'm suffering. A lot of times they say, I don't want anybody to help me. Oh, when we get to that point, we need to ask God, God help me. And bring somebody in my life to help me also. We were talking the other night. You know, we started a marriage class on Wednesday nights. You know, and that's kind of a scary thing to start. But I enjoyed it. You know, very good. It was a class was very good. And things... But one of the things I talked about is when somebody comes to talk to you, to help you in your marriage, sometimes we're going to hear that we did, may have done something wrong. And boy, it's not fun. It wasn't fun to hear an elder say, Mark, you're doing your wife wrong. And then years later, another elder, Mark, you're doing your wife wrong. Okay. Okay. You're going to, well, what do you do wrong? Okay. I'm not going to help. <laughs> Nothing. Uh, what, what I want to say is this. When he told me, Mark, you need to look at this and think about it. Praise God. I looked at him not as somebody who's trying to be over me, but who wanted to love me, who wanted to serve me. Boy, I tell you what, you could have a temperature of 104 degrees. No, you need to be at the church building. You got to be there. You can't miss out. That's one of the things. Other things later on, I never take a vacation. No, eight years in, not with a vacation. Mark, be careful. You're going to lose your family. Okay. Thank you, Lord, for bringing him into my life and listening. And still be open today if I need to hear that again in my life. But what I want us to think about here, Nehemiah is taking the form of a servant, praying for his other servants, praying for his fellow people that he included himself in. And one of the great things about it that we can understand about Nehemiah, nay Ronald. Okay, I always like to say Ronald's name because he's always looking at me. I feel like he's looking at me with those eyes trying to get through me or something. I don't know. I don't, I'm okay with it though. But look what it says here. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Not only did Nehemiah say, I want to take the form of a servant, but he says, I am also a sinner just like the rest of us. And Lord God, we have sinned. And I, my family has sinned. And look what he says. We have acted very wickedly toward you. You know the reason those walls were down and those gates were burning? Because of the sin of the people of Israel, not because of Babylonia. Because God sent them there. He could have said, well, look what you let Babylonia do. But it was not because of that. It was because of sin. And because of that sin, he realized that God, what's happening in my life right now is a consequence of that sin. But Lord God, 
Just as many of those who acted in sin, I am a sinful man myself. Romans 3 says, for all of us have sinned and fall short of the grace of God. Each and every one of us are in need of the grace of God. Each and every one of us need the Lord in our lives each and every day. And sometimes the consequences of things that we do are because of sin. And when those things happen, we need to be openly and ready to talk to our Lord and confess to our Lord. Lord, we have acted wickedly toward you. And you know what? There's healing in that. Isn't it great when you don't try to hide anything anymore? You remember when David was trying to hide his sin with Bathsheba? He said it was working on his bones, deteriorating the inside. That his very body was being taken down each and every day because of the sin he was hiding. But when he confessed his sin, he was freed from the power of sin. We are freed from the power of sin. First John says, confess your sins to the Father, and He is faithful and just to forgive us. First John chapter 2, verse 1 says, We write these things, dear brothers, so that you may not sin, but if you do sin, you do have an advocate. Wow. God, I've gotten myself into this situation. Not only me, but me, because of what I've done, we've gotten everybody into a situation. Lord God, what can I do? Forgive me and forgive us. Lord God, we're all sinners. And you know, when we go through that and we confess that, whatever it is in our life that's going on, God will begin to open doors to allow us to go back onto the path that where we can follow him novamente, newly, okay? Where we can follow him newly in our lives. Look what he says here in verse 8. Remember the instruction you gave your servant, Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if you, your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Nehemiah, first of all, sat and wept. Then... Remember the great and awesome God that we serve, that who is God of heaven and earth, who claimed himself to say, I am a servant of the Lord, and we are servants of the Lord, who said, I confess the sins of our people and my own sins, Lord, but I remember, Lord, also your promises. Oh, it's great to know that God has promises. Amen. God has made good promises. Tim has been preaching on Hebrews about better promises, about a better covenant, and God certainly has given us that. And God, as Tim preached in the Hebrews, says, he believes in you. Just as James said, when you have stood the test, we can make it through. But look what he says. If you return to me and obey my commands, even if your exiled people are the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I've chosen as a dwelling for my name. What's that mean, Miss Joyce? That means God is looking for us. Wherever we are, whatever we've done, whatever we're going through. And when he says here in these verses and the promise that he's making to us that maybe you've scattered off and gone way far away. But if you confess to him, come to him and decide I'm going to obey him. He will take you and bring you back into his fold. Lord God is an awesome God. He remembered the promise. It's kind of like. When we remember the prodigal son, 
He had done so many things. He thought, well, I'm just going to go back to my father and I'm just going to be a servant of my father because I'm not worthy to be a servant. Why? Because I sinned. I took the money from my dad, from my inheritance. Proverbs says inheritance uh, earned early is gone fast. Okay. In the rural, especially when he took his inheritance from a father saying, dad, you're dead to me, more or less. Lived in sin, lived in doing things, and got to the point where he was out there with the pigs. But he came back, <clears throat> and he confessed to the Lord, confessed to his father, God, I'm no good. And Father, Dad, I'm no good. I'm not even worthy to be called your son. I just want to be a servant. What did the father do? Saw him and had a feast for him. Because that which was lost was found. Nehemiah realized them as a people, as the people of God at that time, that there was a remnant, that there were people faithful to God, and he was looking for God's promise in their faithfulness. And God answered. In Malachi <clears throat> chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4, in the Old Testament, when we're thinking about this, God says, you know what? I'm going to make a new covenant. I'm going to send my messenger ahead of him. Talking about John the baptizer. Saying that he's coming. And then many people at that time also, in that time, began to say, many of the people of God, the priests of God, would say, it's okay to sin because those who do are making more. Are getting away with murder and gaining different things. It's better to serve man than to serve God. But it says in Malachi chapter 4 that those who were faithful, a remnant, wrote their names on a list. And God said, in that day, I will make them up my treasured possession. Nehemiah saw the remnant, saw the situation, and he did what he could. We as a people of God, we see our brothers and sisters in Christ. Ones that may be broken. Are we willing and ready to pray? Not only for them, but for ourselves. Are we going to allow healing to come through saying, Lord God, I've been wicked. Lord God, I've done things that don't please you. But Lord God, I remember your promise that if I confess my sins to you, you are faithful and just to forgive me. And Lord God, when I do this, I understand also, Lord, that I am in your fold. I want you to know what happened to Nehemiah because he did these things. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. He's going to say why all those walls are down. He'll say very quickly and he'll say like this. Verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. Nehemiah chapter 4 says that they got half the wall built so quickly because they were working of one heart and one mind. What happened in order for this to happen? A people, a body, realizing that, man, sometimes we get in situations Lord God, forgive us as an individual and as a church.
Sometimes we think, Lord God, why is the numbers like this or that or whatever? Instead of that, say, God, forgive us if we haven't done what we should. But Lord God, we remember your prayer. We remember your promises. Help us, Lord, to pray for one another, to serve one another, encourage one another. And when that happens, may we look forward to the blessings of God. In 52 days, those walls and those gates were built. And people began to fear God. And people praised God. Why? Because the people of God understood where they were, who they were, confessed their sins to the Lord as a body, as a people, and received the blessings. Jesus, in Revelation, over and over again, in chapters 1, 2, and 3, is walking through the churches, as we said earlier. And He loves us. But he does not want our lampstand to be taken out. Amen. He wants it to burn. He wants it to shine. He wants it to be bright. And so this morning as we look at God's word and we reflect on each one of us as individuals. Lord God, help me to see what you're saying to me in the book of Revelation in chapter 1, 2, and 3. Have I forgotten my first love? Have I become lukewarm? Do I look like I'm rich, but yet I'm poor, naked inside? Lord God, if any of those things are with me, help me to take those things out of my life, Lord. Help me to come back to my first love. Help me not to be lukewarm. Help me to understand that riches is only in Christ Jesus, in eternal riches, eternal glory with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In the end of those each church is that he talks to the church in Revelation. He says, there's a victor crown. There's something waiting for us. In James this morning, he says, when you stood the test, when you have stood the test, Terry, praise God, we can stand the test. You will receive the victory crown. I know this morning that each and every one of us want to receive the victory crown that is in Christ Jesus. And that requires us understanding that we have a great and awesome God that we are a body of people, that we are sinners and we confess our sins to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and that we have lived, we live to obey Him, and we look for the blessings that come through our obedience to His Word, to His Gospel. If there's anyone here this morning who is yet not part of the body of Christ, I want you to be a part of the body of Christ. I want you to live new life in Christ Jesus. And praise God, Jesus said, you must be born of water and the Spirit. Wow. You can live a new life. He says that now you've been clothed with Christ in Galatians 3.26 when you were baptized with him. And you've been called sons of God through faith in Christ in Galatians chapter 3. What an awesome God that we serve. That we can reflect on ourselves and see what we've done. And yet the promise of God is still true. For God so loved the world he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That promise is true today as well. Give your life to the Lord today. And if you're in Christ, and maybe you're thinking, well, maybe I've forgotten my first love, or at least I've been lukewarm lately, and I don't want to be lukewarm anymore, Lord, and I need the prayers of this church, we want to pray for you as we come, as as we stand and sing. We hope by listening to this lesson, you have found a better understanding of the Bible. 
and through that better understanding, find a closer relationship with God and His Son, Jesus Christ, our living Savior. If you have any questions or desire more information, please feel free to contact us here at the Dangerfield, Texas Church of Christ. You can find us at dfield.org. That's D-F-I-E-L-D-C-O-C dot O-R-G. Or you can email at dfieldcoc779 at aol.com. Or you can call us at 903-645-2896. If you are local to the Dangerfield area, we would love an opportunity to meet you and encourage you in person at 818 West W.M. Watson Boulevard, Dangerfield, Texas. 75638. Our meeting times are Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. for Bible class and 10.30 a.m. for worship service, Sunday evening at 6 p.m. for worship service, and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. for our midweek Bible class. Grace and peace be with you always.